Imagine you're playing basketball and people, your teammates, are passing it to each other, but they're not passing it to you. They're not passing the ball to you. They're not being fair to you. You know you're just as good as any other player out there on the court on your team. But somehow, that day, they're not passing the ball to you. You're calling for it. You're striving for the for the ball, to steal the ball, to get the rebounds. You're doing your best. You're giving it 100%. But none of the other teammates seem to care or to pay attention to what you're doing. They're just passing it to each other like you're not there. What would you do? How would you react? Just hold that thought in your mind for a minute while I welcome you to the Tao De Jing podcast. This is Shuli, your host, and we're here today to talk about chapter 15 of the Tao De Jing. But at the same time, we also want to talk about yoga and how yoga ties in with the theme of the Tao Te Ching and especially this chapter, this lengthy chapter, chapter 15, which is twice as long as some of the previous chapters that we've looked at so far. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, boys and girls. Welcome, brothers and sisters. Welcome, one and all, all and one, to the Dao De Jing podcast again. We are happy and glad to have you come and share this time with us as we dive into and explore the next chapter of this great Chinese philosophical classic, the Tao Te Ching, full of gems that we can discover together as we journey through the pages of this classic. Let me read from the original text the few sentences to begin with, perhaps just one sentence at a time because it's immensely dense and can be very difficult to handle. So just one step at a time, people here. Let's start here. Di Shu Zhang, chapter 15. Gu zhi shan wei shi zhe, wei miao xuan tong, shen bu ke shi. Then we get a full stop. So Gu means ancient, the ancient times or ancient. The, those ancient people 
who were well-versed in the Tao were so subtle, wei miao, subtle, xuan tong, xuan, mysterious, shen, deep and profound, shen means deep and profound, bu ke shi, that they were not able to be understood as to escape understanding. Shi is 认识的是, which means to recognize, to understand. Now, these people from a long time ago who were well-versed, that means they knew a thing or two about the Tao. They knew what the Tao was about. They were very subtle in their demeanor, in their aura, in their lifestyle, in the way they lived, in the way they thought. They were very subtle in the way they spoke to the point where it was borderline mysterious and thought to be profound by other people and which other people could not understand exactly what they were doing, how they were living, right? Just like the ancient, one ancient of old that I could think of, uh, when his, I think it was Zhuangzi, uh, uh, when his wife died, he was there just beating on a drum. And the officials from the government came and said, oh, what are you doing? You says they're sitting there beating on a drum. And he replied and said, well, now that my wife has died, I can't exactly do anything about it, can I? There's nothing I can do to bring her back to life. So what's the point of carrying on like, I can't continue with my life, right? And he defied them because people usually think, well, you should be sad, you should be this, or you should be that when you're in a certain situation. They have assumptions. They make assumptions. They presume things. But... The moral of the story is only you know because you're in that situation. Only you would know what to do. You would know how to react because that's your situation. Right. And now when people understand the Tao, 
they become very subtle to the point where they are mysterious and the things that they are doing becomes profound. The things that they're thinking becomes profound and very deep to the point where people cannot understand it. Even sometimes we ourselves, we cannot understand what's going on. Not able to be understood. As they were beyond comprehension. This is very important because this takes us back to the story that I started off with, the situation, the scenario that I put us in before the introduction of this episode. I asked us to think about us playing basketball in a team where you are being ignored, where you know that you, as a player, has the same value as every other player on your team, but you're being ignored. No one was passing the ball to you. No one was being friendly to you. And people just behaved and carried on like you did not exist. And I, then I asked you, how do you think you would react to that? There's the how do you think you would feel, then there's the how do you think you would think, and then there's the how do you think you would react. What would you do in such a situation? So there must be a recognition of feelings that you have in any given situation. There must be a recognition of the thoughts that you have about what others are doing. Maybe they're doing something to you or against you and then there is your reaction what then you decide to do as a result of the conclusions that you've made based on your circumstances and so before we carry on with the chapter Let me tell you a true story that happened to me or that I witnessed. It didn't happen to me because I didn't get involved, but I witnessed this when two weeks ago I was playing social basketball. And so there were these two or three younger guys together with the... a couple of older guys, including me. Right? And they were, the younger guys were so-called hogging or taking the ball, possessing the ball, and not passing it around to us older guys on the team. They were passing it to each other constantly and taking advantage of that situation. They weren't exactly being fair or considerate to all the players on our team. And to me, I could see that that was going on. I didn't 
feel good about it because they weren't passing the ball to me. But I've been through this kind of situation before, so I didn't think too much of it. I just thought, you know, some people, they're like that. They pass it to each other. They don't pass it to you. Or they don't want to pass it to you, maybe because they think they're better than you. Or whatever it is, they just don't pass it to you. Now, the other older guy saw this situation as well and got angry. And then he blurted out and uttered out a comment to them in anger and frustration. And he told them to stop hugging the ball. Right? To stop hugging the ball. Which implies that, hey guys, you should be passing it around. You shouldn't be keeping the ball to yourselves all the time. You shouldn't only be passing it amongst you three all the time. There are other people on your team. As you can see, it's made out of five people, not just two or three people. Then the guy who was the younger guy who was mainly responsible for hogging the ball walked up to him, said, what did you say? And then within a split second, they were at loggerheads with each other. They were in an altercation with each other and they had to be broken up. And this was only like a friendly social basketball game. Nothing serious involved. No money involved. No betting involved. No no emotions involved. Nothing to be really taken personally. Right? No spectators either. Right? So, and I was there witness I was a witness to the situation and I didn't react because it had nothing to do with me really uh, I felt personally I felt neglected and frustrated and angry as well but I realized that these people probably young and inexperienced and if they're playing like that already, it shows and exhibits a type of attitude and it gives off a type of air that they're the kind of people who are selfish and who would not receive any type of counseling, even if I had told them anything. But that guy, the other older guy, I guess he didn't hold his tongue. He had to kind of tell them off. And that was his way of releasing his feelings. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not saying that that's right. 
I'm not judging the situation. I'm not judging the people. I'm just describing this scenario that happened and how we as people of the Tao can learn from this type of situation. So, I mean, I could see that they were hogging the ball. Me personally, I could see that already. I was already a little bit annoyed, disappointed, angered. Not really angered. I would say a little bit frustrated that, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on your team, but you're not passing it to me. I could see that you're being selfish. You're not being considerate of the other players. But I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to tell them off or anything because I knew that even if I did tell them off, it wouldn't make things better because I already could see that's the type of attitude that they have, a selfish type of attitude. Uh, and since it was a just a social game, it was only for fun, nothing, no harm taken, nothing personal, right? But when the other guy decided to confront the person who was hogging the ball, it came to a full frontal situation, an altercation, and it could have easily led into a fight, which is what they were getting ready to do. They were getting ready to fight each other, right? And... It's pretty silly to think that you would fight each other over a friendly game of basketball when everybody's just there to have a bit of fun, to have a bit of, uh, to get the heart rate pumping, to get a bit of fitness going, to do some exercise, to burn off some calories, and then you get into a fight, all right? Everybody's got their own day jobs. Nobody wants to get injured over a silly situation like that. All right. So, what would be a wise move or a wise decision in this type of a situation that really annoys you, even if it is a friendly social game? Some people behave selfishly. They have that egotistical air about them. And even if you told them off, do you think that they would pay attention to you just because you told them off? I already knew that that wouldn't work, right? So how does this relate to the first sentence of chapter 15 of the Tao Te Ching. How does this kind of situation, real life situation, by the way, relate to what we are reading in the Tao Te Ching? How does the Tao and the Tao Te Ching relate to this kind of scenario in our day-to-day lives that we could be facing Every day, every week, you know, month in, month out, year in, year out, 
with people around us, not necessarily on a basketball court, but possibly at work, in our families, in our personal relationships with people we love and trust, with people whom we have to respect, with people whom we have to guide, people who are older than us, people who are younger than us, people who are our peers. How do we relate to people in a way that is not just positive, but in a way that is harmonious? Not and not just simply harmonious, but in a way that is uplifting, in a way that builds everybody up in a positive way, in a way that makes everybody aware of our bodies and our spirits and how our body and our spirits need to interact with each other which is the basic work of yoga which is why I'm introducing yoga into this episode tonight because basically essentially what yoga means is the joining the uniting, right? The bringing together of, the yoking together, the making of a, a, a siblinghood, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a, a human a human common human awareness of the human body and the human spirit that we are all made up of this same essence human bodies and human spirits everybody shares this same type of consciousness within us we all have our individual bodies but we share the same kind of emotional needs, psychological needs, spiritual needs. So we should be all on the same page, on one level, right? The basic human level. We need, how do we increase and strengthen this awareness? That we all belonging to each other. That we all belong to each other. And that we need to unite with each other. Is a yoga is the uniting of the body and the spirit. You are balancing them. You are channeling the energy through the body, through the spirit, through the mind, through the soul. And when you do your exercises, this is what facilitates that type of a rhythm, that type of a flow, 
through the mind, through the body, through the spirit. You're facilitating that. You're encouraging that. Right? Through your own personal, individual, single entity being. How do we do that on a social level? How do we spread that awareness? You can even do that while playing a game of basketball. You can do that while you're at work with your colleagues. You can do that in your one-on-one relationship with your supervisors, managers, so on and so forth, teachers, parents, your children, right? your grandchildren, your friends, whoever it is, your partner, your spouse, your, your, your pets, whoever it is. We can channel this awareness. We can build up the strength of unity and the joining of our souls, of our spirits, this awareness that we need to be on the same page. If, if we are not, we need to be on the same page and that we are at the same level. That's why there must be mutual respect between countries because human beings, though we have different cultures, and yes, we have idiosyncrasies that are particular to our individuality, we have different cultures, we have different languages, we have different religions, we have different customs, traditions, way of doing things, we have different characters, personalities. But fundamentally, right, on a biological level, spiritual level, we share the same universal spirit. We share the same universal soul. We share the same universal space. And we share a same universal language. Part of that is the language of emotion. Part of that is the language of the intellect. Right? So, what do you do in that type of situation? Do we want to be aggressive? Do you want to, do we feel that we need to react angrily at someone? Do we need to, do we need to, Tell someone off? I mean, yeah, sure. We feel angry. We feel because we've been neglected, because other people are being selfish. We feel we need to react. We feel we need to react strongly. Otherwise, other people will continue to take advantage of us. And yeah, and sometimes that's what people do. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, yes, that's what some people choose to do. But what I chose to do, right, which you may not have chosen to do, 
What I chose to do was I chose to observe. That was my choice for that moment in time. And my choice was to remain subtle, as the Tao Te Ching says. It was to remain mysterious. It was to remain quiet. And therefore, I ended up, even though I was not directly involved, because I did not directly involve myself in that situation. I could have. But I did not. So I ended up being profound. People didn't know exactly where I stood. And in a way, you could say it was good. You could have interpreted that as good or that as fence-sitting or that as bad or that as negative. However people want to describe that, that is fine. But the only thing that matters is for your own understanding and in real, you in relation to other people, me in relation to the other people, I did not upset anyone. I did not destroy the harmony. In fact, I contributed it. I contributed to the harmony because I did not do anything. I just observed. And the situation settled itself out because other people came in and they did what they needed to do. They did what they felt they needed to do, which was to try and break up that that tension, to try and break up that conflict. And that's what happened. Those two opponents were pulled apart and everything went back to the way of the normal flow, which was the basketball game continuing. I did not have to intervene, so to speak, to intercept, did not have to throw my two cents in. I did not have to. Sometimes it's important to be subtle as this is what the Tao Te Ching is saying in the first sentence of chapter 15. These ancients who knew the Tao, who knew what the Tao was about, they were subtle. They were mysterious. They, people eventually found them to be profound. They escaped understanding and they became beyond comprehension. When people do not understand you, that sometimes is the best position for you to be in. Right? If you're talking about your enemy, for example, if they do not understand your moves, they cannot read your moves, your maneuvers, your strategy. They don't know what your plan is. That means they're in even more confusion about what to do. Because usually 
the enemy or the opposition has to be able to read your moves first. You got to move. You got to have a pattern of movement, right? A, a, a movement, of a set of maneuvers that fall under certain set patterns before they can decide what is best for them to do, how to best counteract or to or make or make counter moves. But if they don't know what your moves are, they don't know what the pattern of those moves are, they won't know what to do. So therefore, if you're in that type of strategic gameplay, you have the advantage if you are subtle, if you're mysterious. If you're subtle, you become mysterious and then you become profound and you defy understanding because you are beyond comprehension. This situation, of course, this type of attitude or mindset or strategy could be applied to any area of your life. Could be work, family, it could be a yoga session, any situation. Sometimes it is best to remain subtle, to remain quiet. Like it says in the middle, towards the middle, it says, Dan si chi ro hai. This sentence is used to describe, right? Because this type of attitude and mindset is beyond language. The author here has to use analogies, has to use the world, the, the universe, and things within it to describe what it's like, what the Tao is like. Or what people who follow the Tao or who understand the Tao will be like themselves. How the Tao manifests itself through people or through the world, the natural world. This sentence, Tan si, Tan, meaning quiet, peaceful, calm, tranquil, Chi Ruohai is like the great sea. I don't know if you've ever gone on a cruise or been on a ship. You look at the ocean. You look at the sea. You look out into the horizon. It is different than being on land. It is just, you see just one line. One horizontal line in the horizon. That's all you can see for miles ahead of you. And if your view is not congested, you cannot see anything else besides that line. That is never ending. It just seems never ending. Of course, we know the earth is a sphere and it goes round, but... 
from your perspective, because our sight is limited, we can we can only see that the ocean in front of us is just one line. And that's all we can see. We cannot see beyond that line. And sometimes it can be calm. And sometimes when storms rage, it can be ferocious. But that's what following the Tao and being a person of the Tao is like. To be calm. To be quiet. To be tranquil. As the sea is. As the ocean is. As vast and as great as that. And that's what makes it vast and so great. Now, I jumped ahead there, but let's travel backwards here to the first line of the description of what these ancients were like. It says in the first line of that, Yu, si, yu means to be relaxed. Okay. So these people, they were relaxed. Yu shi. Zhuo. Dong shi chuan. Chuan means river. Zhuo means like. Dong means winter. Shi means to cross or to go into the river. Now, the English translation here is that they were careful as if crossing a river barefoot in winter. You could also say, you could also say the careful is relaxed as if fording a river in winter. Okay, so these ancients who knew the Tao, they were careful. They were relaxed in a way, even while doing something that may have brought them discomfort, right? Crossing a river barefoot in winter is going to bring you discomfort. It's not doing it in summer where you feel fine and dandy and and feel that it's fun to cross a river because it's hot and you enjoy the refreshment of the water. But this is, you're crossing it in winter. Now these ancients, now this winter water of the river it's cold and icy, and you're crossing, you're having to cross this river in winter barefoot. So you have to be careful, but you also have to be relaxed. You don't want to be tense, because if you're tense, that bitter winter coldness will cause more 
frustration and more suffering for you while you were crossing a river. All right, so you just have to accept the fact that you're going to cross this river, that it's going to be cold. You just have to mentally be prepared and accept that, and then you have to relax. You're just like in yoga. You cannot do yoga if you're tense. Right? You have to relax before you do yoga. And sometimes doing a bit of warm-ups and exercises can help you relax. Right? But to experience the the richness of yoga as much as you can, you have to first be in a relaxed state. And that's the same with meditation. We have to somehow come to a relaxed state before we can enter the gates of this pathway to enlightenment, this pathway to spiritual awareness, this pathway to inner harmony, to the inner sanctum where you can increase your strength and join that body to the spirit and join, allow that spirit to guide and lead your body. These ancients were relaxed, right? In the face of coldness. Then it says they were vigilant and hesitant as if in fear of the attacks from neighbors. <laughs> so this is painting the exact opposite of what they're trying to say. You are relaxed and yet you are hesitant at the same time, as if in fear that somebody was going to attack you. Right? This is the complete opposite of being relaxed. And the picture I was trying to paint before of how the ancients were behaving. But this is totally in character with the Tao. Because, as you know, things do not remain the same. At any one given time, things can change. And if you have experienced four seasons, sometimes you can get days where there are four seasons in one, in one day. It starts out sunny, then it's cloudy, then it's windy and it's cold, then it rains, then it thunderstorms, then the clouds clear off and it's sunny again, then it's warm, right? So some of us may have experienced this. Those of us living in more template, uh, temperate climates can experience these kind of days, so um, it's a well-known fact that you can have, you can experience four seasons in one day. It just goes to show how 
flimsy the weather can be. How quickly things can change. Right? How quickly emotions can change. How quickly people can change. Sometimes people can be very unpredictable, just like the weather. Right? But these ancients knew that. It was no surprise to them that they had to be relaxed and that they could at the same time be hesitant uh, as if in fear of attacks from outward forces. All right. They were also, if we continue, they, they were also dignified. Yen, si, yen, si means, yen means dignified. They were dignified. Qi ruo rong. Qi ruo rong. Rong means appearance, right? Uh, in the English translation, it says they were formal as if they were guests. So rong is the outward appearance of these people. Were dignified and looked very formal. Okay. Huan xi. The next sentence, Huan Xi. Huan means melted. Ruo Bing Chang Shi. Ruo Bing like ice. Ruo Bing like ice. Chang Shi. Jiang is going to be, and then Shi means to be released. Which means polish, polishedly flowing like melting ice. Now, these people were dignified, but yet dignified implies that they were like very strict in structure and formation, and they looked that way on the outward appearance, but yet they could melt at any time. They, they were melting as if like ice melting, right? Jiang shi, shi, this word means to be released or to explain something and is the uh, abbreviation character for Buddhism, right? Although in this context, it doesn't have anything to do with Buddhism, but I'm just saying that, so what we should take it as is it means to be released. The, uh, the ice is being released means the ice is melting, right? So they were very dignified. That means they looked formal on the outside, but they also melted. They're also melting or able to melt, right? So it paints the picture that they are strict and also loose. Right? The ancients were relaxed, and yet they were also hesitant. They were strict in form and seemed structured, but yet also loose. And this is uh, represented by the word melting and the imagery of the ice that is melting because the ice looks dignified and structured, but when it melts... It is released. When it is released, it melts. It is no longer 
that strict structured in a strict structured dignified form it is in a loose liquid form following on tun si tun means honest and sincere they were honest and sincere qi ru pu that means honest and sincere simple and natural that's what it represents here tun implies that they were simple and natural looking like an uncarved piece of wood or an uncarved block they look very simple and natural that means they were honest and sincere which is part of the characteristic of nature and of the Tao to be honest and sincere to be who you are to be natural not to pretend to be someone you are not not to be uh, to indulge in luxury but to be simple like uh, a piece of wood like an uncarved an untouched piece of wood right uh perhaps you could say diamond in the rough Uh, if you want to use that analogy the next description given of these type of people is they're vast kuang shi kuang means vast or vacant and deep qi ru gu that like a valley gu is valley deep vacant and deep like a valley vast as a valley is vast but vacant and deep simple and natural honest and sincere vast vacant and deep the next sentence here is a word begins with the word hun it says hun xi qi ruo zhuo hun this word is a very interesting word it was used in the ancient times and it continues to be in use in modern chinese and it means several things to mix is the most common meaning it could also mean to get along with it could mean to drift along it could mean thoughtless it could even mean reckless <laughs> like a reckless person like a hun zhang is a, like a reckless person but to hun the basic verb here means to mix so it can imply both positive and negative here but in this context it is most likely a neutral it has a neutral connotation to it it says hun xi qi ruo zhuo so it's not making a moral judgment of any kind here it's saying just saying that these people these ancients who were well versed in the dao they were also cloudy and could look confused like muddy water like 
the water is mixed with mud. That type of a water is mixed and confused. Right? Then I'm going to skip that line that I mentioned before. Dan si qi hai, which means quiet and calm like the great sea, which I explained before. After that, it says liao xi Liao xi means liao means wind, the wind on high or the wind in high places, drifting as if they would never stop. Ru wu means to stop, right? Wu no stop. Okay. So they are like the wind on high, blowing, drifting as if they would never stop. As if without ending. Right? So, let's do a recap of all these descriptions of how these ancients were like. They were relaxed. They were relaxed but also hesitant. Uh, like, defensively. Right? They were prepared. That means they were prepared mentally to deal with attacks from opponents, from the enemy, from whoever it is, from the outward forces. They were relaxed, and yet they were careful right, and mentally prepared. They were dignified. They, they looked structured. They looked formal as if they were guests in their outward appearance, but they also knew how to melt and get along with the situation, to adapt or to get along with other people as if like a solid piece of ice turning into water, which is the process of melting. All right? They were solid and yet they could melt at the same time. They were honest, sincere, simple and natural, like a piece of wood in nature. All right? They were themselves. That's what it means. Right? They did not try to be somebody else. And whatever it is they were, they kept themselves simple and natural, just like nature adorns itself. Every part of nature is being themselves. A dog does not try to be a cat. A cat does not try to be a mouse. So on and so forth. Uh, they are vast and vacant and deep like a valley. That means they could accommodate for situations for things they could accommodate because they were vacant they were vast they had that space they were generous enough to adapt and to take on whatever the situation gave to them they could just absorb it like a sponge it didn't affect them it didn't change them all right it didn't change them forever Probably temporarily, but it didn't change them forever. They, they were able to 
absorb that impact. Right? So if someone punches you and you are able to absorb that impact, then the joke's on them, not on you, because you have taken that and you have done with it what you wish to do of it. And let's say someone's being offensive and saying negative things about you, and you take it on board, and you're able to absorb that, then you can do to it whatever you want to do to it. If you want to destroy it, if you want to forget it, whatever it is you want to do to it, you are the master of that situation. Right? It's not you that has done something wrong. It is that person who is being rude or offensive or whatever it is, or angry. If you're calm, you can absorb that. You're absorbing that, and then you do with that whatever it is that you need to do with it. These people, these ancients who knew the Tao, they had the power and the skill to mix, to get along, to drift along with things. Sometimes to be thoughtless, sometimes to be thoughtful. Sometimes it, sometimes it could be thought of as reckless as well. But if you're quiet and calm, you're going to be like the great sea. A drop in the ocean is not going to affect you. It's not going to bring you down. You're going to absorb everything. You're going to be like that wind on high. Right? Then it says, with the concluding remarks of this chapter, it says, Who can end the muddiness if you're like that, if you're like the ancient, who can end that? Who can take that away from you, right? If, like, if you write a story, if you write a novel, if you create a poem, if you make a film, if you write a song, who can take that away from you? No one can, right? Only if you choose to sell it, okay, then you, that's by your volition. You choose to sell it and give it away. But if you did not choose to sell it, and you kept that poem, you kept that film, you kept that novel, or that narrative, story, you kept that in your, let's say you kept that in your drawer, and you didn't take it out for a hundred years, it would stay there. No one could destroy that, right? If you had these, if you have these attributes of the Tao, no one can destroy them, no one can take them away from you, right? Because it's in your mind. No one can open your mind. Right? Only you can access your own mind. Right? So it's that's why it says, "Who can end that muddiness?" That muddiness is a, a state of mind. Is the is is your ability to adapt to the situation, to any given situation, scenario, and make the muddy settle and gradually become clear who can do that who can clear the mud who can be at rest and yet stirring slowly come to life he who is in possession of this Tao will not seek completeness and abundance and a surplus and just because it will not seek that abundance and full circle and surplus this person, this person, he or she can be both 
old and new. He can and she can be both concealed and revealed. And that, my friends, is the end of...